It's Wine Wednesday, and you know what that means. I'm John Shidley Hill. <laughs> and I am Sheldon Alexander. And this is You Killed It, the podcast, talking about the challenge, Rider Dies for Now. Uh, I'm wearing my Wine Wednesday socks. How are you doing tonight, Shelly? I'm good. I'm good. Um, we are on episode nine of the challenge, Rider Dies. We are also on episode 235, 235 of the You Killed It pod. Every every time you say what episode number we're on, it makes me feel so old. <laughs> yeah. One of my coworkers recently, I know I've mentioned him before, C. Brown, he's uh, he's gone back and he's been watching the challenge as of late, like just old okay. seasons. And it's funny because he's like deep dive, taking a huge deep dive into it. But every day he'll come in and he'll be like, hey, I just watched this season. I just watched this season. And that's when I'm thinking like, wait a second, like this is crazy how long we've been doing this for, how long this show's been on the air for. And yes, how old we are. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to just like start it off with a listener comment. Okay. Diane Ring wrote to me to say, Long-time listener, not first-time commentator, <laughs> commenter, which is true. I've heard from Diane before. Okay. She says, the last episode of You Killed It was heavy on the Nelly hate, but oh. really it's too good. This guy cannot be luckier to keep coming back. But this is the first season I feel the producers are playing into it. Speaking of season, we are now in the meaty part, excuse me, the meaty part of season 38, as we often say. And she's ready for more of the backstabbing. Ooh. Speaking of which, she wants to know, are Fessy and my man Devin going to rehash their beef too? I'll tell you, Diane, I fucking hope so. Yeah. Fessy sucks. And I know I am biased in my love of Devin. But surely, mm-hmm. Sheldon, we can agree that in when it comes to Fessel versus Devin, you're team Devin too, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm. You're not really gonna find me on Team Fessy, and that goes back to how he treated Haley. Oh, so, right. Hey, um, I got some Nelson stuff too here. As we got some comments, um, let's see here. We'll start with Daniel. Daniel messaged us on YouTube page again for the people who are listening to this pod. Wherever you're listening or watching this pod, we're available on all different platforms. You want to watch the video, you want to listen to the audio. Blesses with the like, blesses with the retweet, blesses with the comment, wherever you find this post. Um, Daniel says, I think the problem for Nelson at this point in his challenge timeline is he is isolated slash dismissed from his earlier seasons most of his strong connections were with the young bucks and the lavender ladies since most of them uh, since most of the members of both of those groups stopped being on the challenge other than Corey and ashley the vets still come on the shows and are all mainly vets that bumped heads with him when he was a rookie therefore whilst he's now accepted as a vet by other vets in the house they probably only view him as a usable piece on the board but not someone they respect due to their earlier experiences with him as well as his poor record when it comes to actually being a threat deep into the competition damn daniel that's a good point Mm -hmm. um that sort of block of i guess six or seven people depending on how you count the young bucks and how you count the lavender ladies Mm-hmm. We haven't seen them in a while. We haven't seen friend of the show Marie in a while. We haven't seen Sylvia. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, th- their numbers have thinned. And that, that's something that hadn't occurred to me. And I think Daniel's spot on. It's a great point. I got a lot of comments here. I'm going to reel through some because let's be honest, this episode, I mean, we have more entertaining stuff to talk about. Um, other than the episode is what I mean. Uh, D-Link, our guy, messaged us again from the last episode of the pod. And he says, reckless speculation. Wow. Wow. I'll start that over again. I'm not the only one celebrating Wine Wednesday, eh? No comment. <laughs> it's coffee in this mug. What do you mean? Coffee <laughs> mug. Look, here's the evidence. I believe you. Reckless speculation. Just like John's reckless speculation about what's in my coffee mug here. But anyways, back to D-Link's comment. Reckless speculation is some top-notch detective work because it does seem quite lucky lucky from a production standpoint how the perfect dagger scenarios have played out this season going back to the first time nelson and narice won power and schemed away for olivia and horatio to be safe bananas is going two for two first pull safe daggers and now nelson having to make the decision to save olivia or fessy talk about production's wet dream i don't know why we had to make it sexual with the wet dream comment but the point remains. The point <laughs> remains. Do you want me to keep going here? I got comments. I got comments yeah. galore here. Keep Kara going. says, hey, love you guys. Number one. First off, thanks for that, Kara. I appreciate Thank you. That. I need all the positive reinforcement I can get. <laughs> she says, number one, regarding Amber, quote, all she can do is run, close quote. That's a CT quote. I mean, hey, it's from the man himself. Number two, this episode really made me fully get why people are so bothered with her. Hence, the scoff she gives at the end of her Michelle rant. Just no, cringe. Number three, I think Fessy thought him and Anissa were close because they have a lot of vaca- they do a lot of vacationing together and spend time outside of the game. Number four, regarding your music talk, uh, check out uh, Sick Kick. Uh, you'll love him. He plays good old oldies and mixes as well. Also think he's from Canada. Check out his Lil Wayne and Eminem mixes first before checking out the rest of his, the rest. He is amazing. Okay. And All right. That also says, yes, I cap. Okay. Uh, Nelson comment here also says, uh, I'm not a Nelson hater, but when he said maybe he hasn't won a finals because of his friendships, or being a friend, can't remember. Literally, I was floored. No, Nelson, you haven't won a final because you can't do puzzles and Scuba Nelly still needs a life jacket. That's why you haven't won a final. Shouts to you, Kara. Solid comments. Very solid comments. That that was uh, pretty tough. I mean, that last bit about why Nelson's never won. The other reason is because he's is it not great and puzzles are a big part of the game. Correct. Uh, Chico Spears. Also on the YouTubes, again, I mean, hey, if you want to join these conversations, seems YouTube seems to be a place, again, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, all that fun stuff. Chico Spears says, I have to say, there is a lot to be said about people that Kim experienced at the challenge. Jay and Michelle are inexperienced, and you can tell they aren't used to confrontation. They tried. I'm team vets all day, but every season it's the same thing. Vets with the experience do what they do. From Johnny and Raven to Jay and Michelle, the attempted they attempted the right strategy, but just don't have the know-how. Also agree, says, uh, speaking about integrity, Jay hits a bullseye. Jordan talks about playing the game with integrity, but he was almost the loudest one screaming directions to Olivia and Horatio. 
Uh, yeah, but I think integrity in the challenge is a little bit different than integrity in like normal walks yeah. of life. I, I do agree, but I do feel like, you know, helping someone else win who you against someone you don't want to win. It's kind of part of the challenge. It Just is kind opinion. of, I mean, we don't, we don't have to relitigate this, but like people yell during every elimination happens all the time You're happens right. all the time yeah, and even if people were shouting words of encouragement to jay and michelle it might have dried out their ability to communicate you know so mm -hmm. like I, I don't know i wouldn't be that mad also i want to give it a, a, a direct a special shout out to chico spears who okay uh after basically every episode chico will photoshop a hilarious photo like making fun of like whoever the idiot of the episode was okay you it's typically nelson but like they're they're Jeez. pretty good and i usually retweet them so if you don't follow chico on uh twitter you should just because he's doing good work and it always makes me laugh i okay. will allow it's very easy to make me laugh uh but Chico does good stuff. So check it out. It's pretty funny. And I have one more comment to read from Sarah. Longtime listener Sarah says, just finished the pod. Truly the highlight of my week. Wow. That's kind. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate it. One, your point about Jay and Michelle deserving to lose the way they did. People yell and shout and try to help people in elimination all the time. Sounds like something John just said. Yep. The times where you hear an uproar from fans is when it's so one-sided that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, one team slash player has quote no shot. But if you really think about it, those only tend to happen when the losers mess up so badly that no one in the house wants to help them. So mm -hmm. they kind of made their own bed. Number two, talking about Jay and Michelle's horrific gameplay, what we as fans see over and over are these rookies who are so similar with the challenge. So unfamiliar with the challenge part of me and how it works that they inevitably inevitably mess up the politics it'll never happen but i would love a season to be vets versus the fans oh, people who actually great. have watched the show studied it listened and discussed podcasts and have a really strong idea of how to play the game and how it's supposed to be played let me ask you a question sheldon on that note because mm -hmm. i i was actually thinking about this as i was watching uh, tonight's episode would you go on the challenge like if they did that no. format where they're like no no hard no, no definitely not i would not go on the challenge no definitely not i mean it'd be an interesting um i would go on and host a challenge i think you'd be great at that um but i mean going on the challenge no i think Here's the thing. I think it's a it's a very important to know your limitations, know what you can and can't do. And like, I think of watching Enzo. Yeah. Right. And if I know, and you know, I like to think I can swim to shore with mm -hmm. a life jacket on. But my point is, if I can't do that at a level to win, you know, if I'm like afraid of heights, which mm -hmm. I think I'd be okay with some heights, but there'd be some things that I'm like, yo. I don't know about that. Why am I going to go on the show? If, he, if if I'm going on the show, I'm going on to win. I'm not just going on the show for clout, which I feel is what a lot of people end up doing. Mm -hmm. And I don't really want to do that. That's Fair just enough. I would go on. Okay. But let me, let me be clear about this. If I'm going to go on the challenge, mm 
Bonham Murray producers, if you're listening, I need at least six weeks notice because I would need <laughs> to train. Second of all, I would need to cycle up on HGH or testosterone replacement therapy or something because yes. I'm 39 and like my athletic prime is well behind me. So I would need some sort of boost. Although if we're being honest, Sheldon, I don't think I'd be the first challenge competitor to take performance enhancing products <laughs> for a season. Yeah. Um, and I would like, I'm a decent swimmer, but I don't really have the stamina to swim like long distances anymore. Mm -hmm. So I would want, I would need to make the most of those six weeks to prepare. You know what I mean? Like I would need to be swimming daily. Like I'd have to do all the things that you and I talk about in terms of preparing, right? Like I would have to find some sort of way to get used to heights. I would have to um, swim more. I would have to run more. I think I could do it. And I think in six weeks I could make myself competitive. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. But yeah. that's the thing, right? I think you are confident enough that you're like, yeah, I could do that and it would be fun and you wouldn't embarrass yourself. For me, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to like, pull a muscle, you know, trying to swim, you know, 10 feet. Like, no, I'm not trying to do that. I, I'd I have to like, so. I feel like I could train and I could be okay. But again, if I'm going on, I want to win. I don't want to go on and just be like, Oh, I can do this. Like, no. I'm also so regularly embarrassed in my like personal life that like I've developed a pretty <laughs> thick skin. What? What are you talking about? I I mean, you and I have talked. I mean, we can't dive too deep because of the uh, yeah yeah. But like, um, like I'm not sure if I've ever told you this story actually. But like, Mark Messier once asked me if I was slow. Like that's that's a that's a tough blow. <laughs> I had one where, uh, and I I mean I ranked this high on my like achievement list of my career, and I know some people might not, but I got crushed once by Greg Popovich in a in a oh, scrum, sick. and it was funny because he was just in a mood. So like every single person in the pregame scrum, he just dissed and gave them like one word answers. And I forget what my question was. I, oh, my first question was, because obviously I'm trying to do a, a story on like the Spurs dynasty or something like that, right? And my question was, you know, I'm just trying to get them to talk about the luxury of having Tim Duncan and Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. And so I was like, hey, how, like, how much of a blessing has that been for all these years to have such great players who are great people to be like the leaders of your team? And he was kind of like, well, it's better than having bad players helpful greg and then look to like the next person for a question for like the next question and i was like ooh. so then i i'm like no i'm not letting this go so i asked a follow-up but it was something that i read in an article that was like about how um he basically been recruiting the same people like the same style of player and i want to say that at this point it would have been richard jefferson but there was a run of like Richard Jefferson, um, Steven Jackson, like just a three and D guy. And basically your job was to play defense and hit corner threes, which is now the modern NBA essentially. But I read in an article about how he just worked out with Richard Jefferson all season. And all he did was you have to hit this shot. So they just sat and worked on that shot the whole off season. And so I asked him about that. It was like, so, you know, as you, you, you know, 
other than having your superstars, the next part of having a successful run with this team over years is being able to plug in the pieces and understanding role definition. And you worked a lot in the off season with Richard Jefferson, blah, blah, blah. And I could see his face kind of turn. And he was like, yeah, well, and he gave me an actual answer in my head. I'm like, you, <laughs> I'm like, be cool, be cool. I'm holding the mic. I'm like, be cool, be cool, be cool. But in my head, I'm like, you got him. All right. Like so happy. I mean, that's so much nicer. I was just going to wrap up by saying that Jose Batista once tore a strip off of me on a conference call. And <laughs> he laid into me so bad that people started to tweet about it. Like other reporters were like, oh, like Jay Chidley Hill getting oh. like <laughs> ripped into by Jose Batista on this conference call. <laughs> what? Yeah. It was like one of the first times I had a byline as a reporter, too. Uh, what I'm trying to say is I'm at peace with making a fool of myself, which I think is important to be on the challenge. Okay. Okay. Speaking of making a fool of themselves. So Olivia immediately gives Nelson a big kiss as soon as they get back in the house after he chose uh Fessel over her. How do we feel about this? Like, what would you do in Olivia's uh, circumstance? So, I mean, I'd under, again, we, we talked about it last episode and I kind of thought, you know, at that point that Fessy for Fessy and Nelson, Nelson made the wrong move because Fessy's not really your boy, but so if I'm Olivia, I'm probably a little salty and I was more focused on Olivia's response because I thought she kind of looked a little awkward. I thought Olivia, when you looked at her, she kind of looked like, uh, you know, like Nelson kind of went to kiss her and she kind of turned her cheek and kind of kissed her on the cheek. And then she was kind of like, okay, and gave him like a little mwah. Yeah, that was, that was the kiss of someone who cares deeply about their kissing partner, mm-hmm. but is mad but also doesn't want to cause a scene in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. And like, I just, I feel like Olivia's in a hard spot because he made Nelson made the wrong choice, but it all worked out. Yeah. So like, it's hard to like be super hard on him and be like, Hey man, you really fucked up because like, he can just be like, Oh, but it all worked out. Yeah. And like, Something about stupid people is that inherent is in that is that they lack imagination. So like you can't even like walk Nelson through mm-hmm. the possibilities of how that went wrong because he just like, but it did it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like you're back in the house, and yeah, we're great, and everything's all right. And Fessel's in the house, and like he'll never betray me. So you know. Yeah, she was super uncomfortable, and and that was weird. Um, I don't know what I thought at the beginning of this episode. I thought like this whole beginning of the episode was kind of really weird. It showed us a lot of meaningless interactions between the partners. I guess they were setting up what what's coming down the pike, and like sort of showing how like some pairs are super tight, mm-hmm. and some are like a little beyond each other. So what was so let me ask you then like was the payoff enough for you? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I will say it it contained uh my line of the episode. 
Okay. okay. I already tweeted about it. I don't know if you saw this. I did not see this. Casey says, <laughs> I literally forgot that my brother's on the show. Us two, Casey, we also forgot that Kenny was on the show. Yeah, I forgot both of them were on the show. That's what I wrote down. I'm like, yep, us two. And I also forgot you were on the show, Casey. Because, yeah. I mean, we've been hard on Casey in the past for being boring. But, like, Kenny's more boring than her, right? But I don't even blame Casey at this point. Because, of course, she's going to want to continue coming on, right? She's a good competitor. She's won already. She has good ties within the house, whether it's with Fessy or Nani, which means then bananas as well. So I understand why she wants to keep coming back on. This is on production. From a production standpoint, why do you keep bringing her back? Like, even... Because again, you're making an entertainment show, right? And mm-hmm. there's nothing entertaining about Casey being on the show. I mean, even I guess the whole like Nani thing when they were trying to, you know, become Casey a couple was or messy become, at you know, first. Sure. But like, and I'm not even saying that you have to be messy. I'm not saying that you got to cheat on your partner. I'm not saying you got to do anything, but like you can just be funny, right? You could tell jokes in the house. You could be, you could literally do anything literally do anything and she doesn't even do that that's what i'm saying right i'm not asking you to get in fights i'm not asking you to like be messy on the show and like make out and and, or like cheat on your partner i'm not asking for that just bring me some form of entertainment make me feel something this is the entertainment business and i'm not entertained i am not entertained well i'll tell you who made me feel something okay fessel crying Okay. About how he's never won. And I got to say, I was very confused by what, <laughs> what, what was the catalyst for this? So, like, yeah. let's just play through I the need more info. I need more info. Yeah. Like, so, because here's what we do know he was nominated and he was really upset that he was nominated, right? Like, he was like pacing around. He was really mad at Anissa. He still seemed to feel some kind of way about it after he, Nelson, and Anissa spoke about it. But, okay, sure. Nelson saves him. So he's out of danger. And then sort of the way it's presented, the way the edits went down, Mm -hmm. he's crying about it later that night, but not crying about it. He's crying about the fact that he's never won. And he says a lot of things that are not rational he says that you know he's just as good as bananas and jordan maybe better but they always win he should be a two or three time champion but instead he's a two or three time loser and mariah comforts him and like i i liked mariah when she gave him a shove and was basically like get your head in the game like get like snap (laughs) of it like stop feeling bad for yourself and like i mean there's so much wrong with how Fessel views the game and like not to get all philosophical here, but like, I truly believe that there's three kinds of people in this world. There's someone who sees someone else being successful and they're like, I'm going to steal like their success. Like I'm going to take what they have. Yeah. There's the kind of person who says that person's being successful. I'm going to destroy their success. Like I'm going to fuck up their car. I'm going to fuck up their relationship, whatever. And then there's the third kind that asks, 
how did they do that? And how can I do that? It's clear that Fessel is not in that third group because the question he should be asking is I'm so much bigger and stronger and like physically allegedly better than Johnny and Jordan. What do they have that I don't have? Like, how can I improve to get to their level? But he doesn't have the humility to say that he lacks anything. Mm. Right? Like, I mean, you and I, we can say right now what Fessel's lacking. He's not great at puzzles. He's yeah. not good at the politics. Yeah. He's not that nice a person. And, like, notably, neither Jordan nor Johnny are that nice. Mm -hmm. I think Johnny's, like, fun in a party atmosphere, but he's a bit of a dick. And yeah, Jordan's the a dick basically all the time. Mm -hmm. But their, po their political game is way better than Fessel's. And their puzzle game is good. Yes. And I've always said this. And longtime listeners of You Killed It know I'm not the biggest Johnny Bananas fan. But he is so good at boiling down uh, daily competitions to what is their essential, like, trick. Like, what is the most important thing that you need to do? Mm -hmm. And he does it like he's oh, he's so good at finding a shortcut. He is so good at playing the bigger game and like breaking things down. And yeah. Fessel just thinks you got to be the biggest and strongest and fastest. Yeah. And even in this challenge that they had today, we saw that from Johnny Banana. It, is, it didn't work for him, but he took a chance. And that's how he's been successful by shooting a shot and trying to take chances where other people wouldn't would just attempt to do what everyone else was doing or like the most basic idea. He thinks outside the box and it doesn't work all the time, but well, sometimes you get you know lucky. Let's, I'm not talk mad about, that. let's talk about the daily okay. call or nothing. So it's your classic uh, mini challenge. It's your mini final mini final. Yeah. So it's a six mile course. Uh, which translate to metric as very long. <laughs> and they ha each pairing has to carry a weighted plank and they have to do a series of uh, there's all these checkpoints and they have to complete these tasks. Typically, this is just broad strokes, but between each checkpoint, they have to carry weighted items on the plank from one checkpoint to the next. And then they use those items in the next checkpoint, right? So, yeah. Sheldon, what you were just referring to is early on, the first checkpoint is that they have to um, take three barrels across a field, basically like a football field, a soccer field for the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. um, and they have to get these three barrels across and their plank across without touching the ground. Okay. Right. Yeah. So what you're referring to is Johnny convinces Nani that they should just roll the barrels and keep the plank on like like they're cartoon characters. Yeah. It's a funny approach. And I'm not saying that it was a genius attempt, but I appreciated that he was trying to do something different and not just copying what everyone else was doing. And I don't really think there was a way for that to like actually work. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the attempt. I appreciate the shooting of shot. Well, you know, Sheldon, you mentioned effort. And I'm going to make a totally baseless accusation. Oh. Johnny Reckless speculation. Nani, bananas and Nani don't try. 
in this competition. <laughs> it gets to the end. Johnny is fully laying down in their sled mm-hmm. as Nani attempts to solve a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Nani's not the brains of that operation. She's not the puzzle master between the two of them. Correct. It's almost as if Johnny and Nani knew that there wouldn't be an elimination this episode. Oh, wow. See, I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think of that. That is because my counter to your point was going to be, wait a second, but TJ explained how important this elimination would be, or sorry, this uh, daily challenge would be and how important winning would be. But wow, because I did think midway through, this is a pretty huge risk to just not try and essentially just punt it so early on. But wow, you got me there. That is, I mean, that leads into our continuing reckless speculation theory here. No, I'm just saying. So like, as I watched it, like in real time, I'm like, man, they're not trying at all. And like, I had assumed that there was going to be a perch. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I assumed yeah. that the big power was going to be, that you're going to have the opportunity to eliminate two teams. Mm-hmm. In which case, like, Johnny and Nani, what are you doing? Like, that's the wrong move. But in hindsight, if you know that there's no elimination, yeah, and you're trying real hard to avoid being the team captain and picking teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And how does that happen? How do you know that there's no elimination that week? Wow. That's very interesting. That's what you got me there. You got me with that one. I totally agree with you. I think that makes total sense. It's a little too comfortable in their punting of said competition, which was a really hard competition. But also, if you know that you don't need to, like, you have no chance of getting eliminated then what's really the harm? Okay, someone else gets to pick the teams. No big deal. No harm, no foul. You can also... Also, do you want to be the person to pick the teams? Probably not. I don't not. know that you do. Not necessarily. And like, if you think about the reflection earlier in the episode where they're poolside and they're saying like, somehow we've flown ever under everyone's radar. Like people aren't targeting us. Mm-hmm. And I have in my notes... No one's targeting them because Jay and Michelle were the ones that were supposed to target them. (laughs) But if no one's targeting you and you know that there's no elimination that week and you know why there's no elimination, like, you know, you're just going to be split up. Mm -hmm. Well then why try? And also they try, they like, they were so far behind Mm -hmm. that no one would have an eye on them. They could lie about how far they were, right? They're like, they could just easily be like, oh yeah, no, we solved that puzzle. We're on our way. You Like we just, we saw you from a distance, but they blew the horn. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so, I think um, that's a super interesting part of this, right? Because at the end of the day too, Johnny Bananas knows, knows the game inside and out. And he has to have relationships with production or even if he doesn't, he's smart enough to make relationships with production. Right. Yeah. So that's an interesting part, but in terms of this actual challenge, right. Just for the rest of it. I mean, we don't have to really like dig deep into 
each and every part of it? Because like, did anything else really stand out to you? There were um, two things, maybe three things that I think are worth mentioning. First of all, Olivia and Horacio not getting along. Poor communication. Yeah. Uh, he, when it's all over, um, they don't win. He storms off. Like she's upset and upset mm-hmm. at him. And he He's just storms off and just like, and like part of me is like, okay, if you're mad at your friend or if you're like mad at a situation, it can be healthy to walk away. Yeah. But like, you got to circle back like within five to 10 minutes and just be like, I need to clear my head. I'm so sorry. And like show some accountability. And I'm not sure he did that the way Olivia was speaking. It seems like he did not. No, not initially conversation, not, not initially. And we saw his apology later on that she didn't really seem to be buying, but um, I think I have an interesting take on this though, because I feel like in the heat of a battle, right. There's something to be said for being a good partner and trying to encourage her, which he was trying to do for a bit, and it just wasn't working. And sometimes I think if you know that the better option, instead of you flipping out in the moment, is to just remove yourself from the situation because you might say something that you can't take back or that you might regret or whatever it is. You just need a moment to yourself to you know, sort of uh, release some steam. I'm okay with that. Um, But I do understand it from her angle as well. She felt hurt by it. And I get that. I understand that. Yeah. I think just poor communication on both sides. Um, The other part I found interesting, that was on my list too for things that I found interesting in uh, that daily challenge. I also found it interesting just Fessy and Mariah. So they end up winning, but their ability to with the puzzles. Fessy... And your man's Devin brought this up. I was kind of surprised. Fessy did a pretty good job on the puzzles, right? They were the first ones to complete the puzzle in the checkpoint to start. That was what this, they said it was referenced kind of like a Sudoku type thing. Yeah. And they were the first ones to get that one done, which we know there's a history of people who have said they have studied Sudokus before they come on the show because they know it comes up. So maybe Fessy's been working on the, in the off season on that. But also, maybe even more surprising, was the next puzzle in which they had to sort the tires in order from, and each tire had a a city name on it, and you had to put them in order from north to south. I got to be honest with you, I'm with Devin. I was very surprised that Fessy was able to do that. But his reasoning for it maybe explains a lot. What was his reasoning for it, John? That he had been sliding in the DMs of a young person, a young woman mm-hmm. who lives in Sydney mm-hmm. and he had Googled where Sydney is. Yeah. And he also knew that Reykjavik would be the furthest North. So they like did a, they did they a season of the challenge in Iceland. Yeah. Interesting stuff. I mean, I got to give Fessy credit where credit's due. Cause I've been hard on Fessy for a last little while here. And so when he does a good job, got to give him credit. They come up with a big win But the prize, and I'm saying that kind of emphatically here because I don't really know how much of a prize it was. We find out from TJ that they're going to switch it up. 
it's no more ride or dies. You're actually going to pick teams and you are now going to be on opposite teams from your ride or die partner. And it's going to be up to Fessy and Mariah to make said teams. The big thing here is how would these teams split up? And there's a lot of discussion about what should be done, how it could be done, who's going to have the better team and all that. But I just want to, I want to have enough time here for us to stretch out to the end of this episode. And we can discuss, I thought this episode was lame, like the way that it was structured just by like, there's no elimination at the end of it. Right. So I thought that was kind of lame. They just kind of ended with how the teams uh, played out. I will ask you though, before we get to that, do you want to talk about Tori and Jordan? Yes, I do. Okay. So let's talk about about Tori and Jordan and then we'll talk about the teams. Okay. You have yourself a deal. That's me shaking your hand from across the internet. So let's talk about Tori and Jordan. Mm-hmm. As as we noted last episode, Jordan and Narice are getting close. Mm-hmm. A lot closer than we knew. Like last episode, we just like thought there was a vibe. They were like sort of dancing in front of Tori. Turns out they've been making out. Sounds like with some frequency. They have a certain level of physical comfort with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's just the two of them in their bedroom, that is uh, quite apparent. And um, they basically, in this episode, stop hiding it. So yeah. they're all back from, I mean, like a night of a night out on the town. A night out, yeah. And they're really cuddling, and he's feeling up her butt, and they're like, like the level of physical comfort is very apparent. Tori leaves the space, goes outside to join Devin uh, mm-hmm. by the bonfire. Devin, I'm not sure if you picked this up in his argument with Michelle many weeks ago, but he's a smoker. That's why he's always outside. He's in the CT spot. <laughs> um, so Devin's like talking over with Tori, and he says in confessional, that he's worried about Tori, not just on the show, but like in real life, that like yeah. this could really hurt her and set her back and all the progress she's made in the past year. Mm-hmm. And then Amber comes out to say, hey, just so you know, I don't feel good about what's going on in there because they're all over each other. And Tori's like, yeah, thanks, tips. Like I already saw it. <laughs> um, going back to Kara, Kara sent us a message earlier on about sure. Amber. This exactly, I can picture Kara right now. She's listening somewhere and she's writing us another message to be like, this is what I'm talking about. Because while I was watching the episode, that's what I was thinking. This is why people don't rep Amber. Why are you bringing yourself into this? Right? You don't need to be in this. You can just let it happen. You don't got to be a part of it. You got to go tell Tori, hey, just so you know, like, I feel awkward watching it, that it's going on. Nobody cares about your feelings. This ain't about you, but you're trying to make it about you as if you're doing like you're doing Tori a favor because you're such good friends. You have to go let her know that they're getting all cuddly. Get out of here. Miss me with that. And also think like think about like uh, sort of like friendship proximity. Mm-hmm. Tori has a lot of eyes and ears in the house, right? Yeah. Like, and Amber would be low in the ranking. Like, if Anissa came over to talk to her, mm-hmm. no problem. 
yeah. and Issa and Troy are best friends. Yeah. If Devin had seen it and like flagged it for her, no problem. They're super tight. They're rider dies, right? If Nelson had come over, and I don't think Nelson and Troy are super tight, but if Nelson had been like, ooh, this is awkward for us. I hope this doesn't affect like any alliances. You know what I mean? Like there's so many other people where it'd be more appropriate for them to come over and be like, hey, so you know, saw this, you know? Or just say nothing. Always an option. Also too, Jordan's not trying to hide this. They're not trying to hide anything. They're like in the living room on the couch. This isn't a big thing that like, okay, we can, I'm going to stop talking about Amber because it's just making me mad because it's just Amber being Amber and then being like, why is everybody mad at me? Why is everybody not like me? I don't understand. It's like, because you do stuff like this. No need for this. Doing too much. Get out of here. Let's get to the point of, are you, is Jordan doing something wrong here? Because this leads to an argument between Tori and Jordan where Jordan says, hey, it appears like there's something that you're mad about. Like there's something going on. And she's like, uh, of course there is. Like, what do you mean? And Jordan quickly says, and I'm paraphrasing here. And he's like, oh, so does it hurt for you to see your ex hooking up with someone else on? Did he say on TV? I'm not sure if he said on TV. In front of you. He said in in front front of you, in front of you. Thank you. And then it hits Tori and she, she gets really mad. She starts blowing up and, Jordan in his confessional as they edited this beautifully and it's intertwined together. Jordan starts saying, you know, this is why we broke up. Everything is about Tori. And if Tori's mad, then we got to be mad. And that's the relationship. And I'm going to give a no comment after that. But what I'm going to say though, is that Jordan is, it's interesting to me hearing Jordan's point because it makes me think, did he do this on purpose Not that he did like anything wrong or over the top or extra, but he clearly at least bare minimum seemed to enjoy the fact that he could rub this in Tori's face. No. Yeah. So to answer your initial question by itself, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with Jordan making friends of whatever nature (laughs) with Nareen. He and Tori, Broke up more than a year ago. Yep. They are single. Yeah. Objectively, it's okay. This isn't like Ross and Rachel. (laughs) It's not that they're on a break. They're fully done. They moved out from like their joint home. Mm -hmm. Sure. Ross and Rachel. But all it's all the stuff around it where I think he is in the wrong. First of all, Although he's objectively, yes, he's entitled to do this. Is it considerate? No. And as soon as he brings up that she'd hooked up with Fessy, that shows how petty he was being. Because yeah. in all the confessionals we saw, he's like, well, I just feel so comfortable with Nerese. It's a nice escape. Okay, that's cool. But is that what it's about? Or is it about making yeah. Tori feel bad? And furthermore... Tori, I thought, was being very gracious about the whole thing. She wasn't causing a fuss. Mm -hmm. She is absolutely entitled to absent herself from the space. Which she did, the room, have a quiet conversation with Devin, who is one of her closest friends. 
There is nothing wrong with that. That is yeah. totally fair game. She's allowed to have her feelings, but mm-hmm. she doesn't complain. She doesn't cause a fuss. And she says in confessional, like, there's a part of me that wants to be really spiteful, but I'm trying to get away from that. Mm-hmm. So, like, Tori's handling things as well as anyone can, as respectful yeah. as she can. He comes and initiates the conversation with her and then gets mad at her for, mm-hmm. like, making it all about her. Yeah. She wasn't. You came no. and you raised the topic. She gave you her honest feelings about it. And she made very valid points that, like, they had been in very intimate situations in the house together she said we were naked together in this bed right here and why would you do that and then go on to mess around with someone else in front of her we said that we love each other Mm -hmm. and like that gives me ideas which in fairness to her if you're naked with someone and they tell you that they love you Mm -hmm. you're gonna i wouldn't even say you're making an assumption (laughs) no it's it's totally fair you are correctly interpreting the data that you have been given. It's totally so fair. That's that's where I stand about on it. Like, I also think that the weird part about it to me was Nerys. Like, we didn't talk about it, but the conversation Nerys has with Olivia, mm-hmm. where she's like, "I don't really know if Jordan's even my type, but you know, we're just having fun, and I like talking to him, and I like this, and I like that." I don't think that if I'm Nerys, I'd want to be a part of this on tv and how it could affect my gameplay going forward if i'm narice in the situation if i'm jordan yo man love makes you do some silly things sometimes right and he's been he was burned and he's trying to make her feel a little bit of that i'm not saying it's right not saying it's right at all and i understand where tori's coming from but i think that she also on some small level understands what jordan was doing i'm not saying it's fair not saying it's right but i think she gets like oh he was just trying to be an ass right now and trying to make me feel a little bit of what he felt or at least that's how he phrased it yeah um yeah i think it's just messy but i also think this is the risk you run in going on this challenge again where I know that she, they claim they didn't know the other one was going to be on or whatever, but this is the risk you run, right? That's what the game is. You run the risk once you come on that they're going to surprise you with Jordan being on the show. And Jordan might be able to hook up with someone else on the show. Why? Because he hooked up with you on the show. And you weren't yep. the first one that he hooked up with on the show. Nope. So, And he wasn't the first one that she hooked up with on the show also true and let's be honest remember she wasn't that nice about what she had to say about fessy no but she also like two wrongs don't make her right correct you know and like okay jordan's hurt that she hooked up with fessy but also if you know how much it hurts true and you love this person shouldn't you be able to say like oh i that really hurt and i'm going to refrain from doing this because i know how much it sucks if, yeah. if he had I not messed around with narice and then came to tori and said listen i can't deny that there's a vibe between narice and i but i am going to purposely hold off until we are not all in the same house together because i know how much it hurts because it fucking sucked watching you and uh fessy hook up 
Yeah, I would res- I would agree with Jordan, but like I'm 90% on Tory's side here. You're right. Even They're both. I know objectively what Jordan is doing is fine if you just isolate it to that one thing. Yeah, like they're both wrong, right? And what Jordan did, like if you came into the house and you had a conversation at the start and said, hey, I know we broke up. I know we're still cool. Let's be cordial with each other. Let's also understand that, hey, we're in this house. And if you brought up the fact that maybe something else might happen or maybe, you know, not that you're going to hook up with someone, but I, I... I'm saying I understand where Jordan's coming from because he doesn't see it as that serious. They're like snuggling, you know, like it's still not cool. It's still not right. But he's like, we're not getting married like they did. But do you know what I mean? So I'm not standing up for Jordan. I'm not. I'm really not. I just kind of think that they're both wrong and they're allowed to both be wrong. And it just, if anything, forced them to have a real conversation about where they were at in their relationship. And maybe that might be the positive that comes out of this whole thing. I I am finding it problematic how Jordan is not being at all accountable. True. Again, he's trying to downplay it. Yeah. And Tori's points of like, we were naked in this bed like weeks ago. Totally valid. Totally valid. Like, Mm -hmm. not cool. She is totally. Uh, it's totally reasonable for her to feel like some kind of whiplash. Emotion. Question though. Question. At one point, Tori says, I'm very spiteful. I'm known yeah. for being very spiteful. What does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, she's already done stuff out of spite or like, but she said, talking she's trying about to get refraining? away from it. She said, she's trying to That's get what away I'm from saying. So like, that's what I'm saying. So does that mean there's even more to the story that we don't know? It's more so like beyond that. I don't know, but no, I think she was saying that she was hurt by what Jordan was doing. She would react that way. Yeah. And she is fighting her like inner voice. that was telling her to do something fucked up and to explode. Okay. And like, again, just given what we've seen on the show, Mm -hmm. she doesn't do anything like out of pocket. Again, yeah. she leaves the room every time. Like she looks upset, that's mm-hmm. fine. And she leaves the room. Yeah, that's totally reasonable. No, and then I get it. Approached by, about it by Jordan, then she talks about it. And like when Amber brought it up with her, I think she was even classy about that. Like she basically just like dismissed Amber. She was like, "Yeah, thanks. That's why I'm out here. Smell you later." Like <laughs> I'm having a private conversation with Devin. You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's yeah. get to these teams. Let's get to yeah. these teams. So they flip a coin. Fessy gets a first pick. And obviously the way that it goes is as soon as you choose someone, their partner automatically ends up on the other team. Now there's a strategy to be had here that I don't think Mariah had. Fessy definitely had a strategy and he knew what he was doing. Now with that, I guess I'll let me rifle through the picks and the order that things went in, right? I'll rifle this off quickly, just for a recap. So Fessy had the first pick. He picked Casey. That means that Kenny ends up on Mariah's team. Mariah, she had the next pick. She takes Jordan, which means Anissa is on Fessy's team. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fessy takes Bananas, meaning Nani's on Mariah's team. Mariah takes Chauncey. Or sorry. Did I have that right? No. Mariah takes... um, Amber. Amber meaning Chauncey's on Fessy's team. Fessy takes Nelson, meaning Narice is on Mariah's team. Mariah takes Horatio, and then 
uh, Fessy gets Tori. So let's break down the full teams. You got Mariah, you got Kenny, you got Jordan, you got Nani, Amber, Narice, Horatio, and Devin. Fessy's team is Fessy, Casey, Anissa, Bananas, Chauncey, Nelson, Olivia, and Tori. I'm going to ask you, who has a better team? Everyone on, like, all the cast members who are talking about how great Fessy's team is. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Mariah. Okay. I'm going to let you cook first. First of all, I hope our listeners know this. <laughs> I really like Anissa. Okay. Anissa is, in terms of finals, the worst competitor on the show at this stage. Right. And in my estimation, Kenny is probably the second worst. Right. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. But Anissa is worse. She is significantly slower. She knows that. And the other issue, there's two other issues that I see with Fessy's team. The other issues are that the rest of his team, aside from Bananas and maybe Tori, they're pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. Right. And. Yeah. The other issue is that you've got bananas on your team, and bananas is smart, but he's, he's gonna get to- you before he before you get him exactly. Because let's look at that team, right? We know puzzles are gonna be a big part of this, yeah. Fessy, I, maybe he's converted and he's now good at puzzles, but I still need to see more of it, so I'll give Fessy a half mark. Casey is not good at puzzles. Anissa is good at puzzles. Bananas picks and chooses. You got to be careful about him. Chauncey is not good at puzzles, right? I don't think Chauncey has done a good job so far. Nelson is not good at puzzles. Olivia is not. uh, Olivia, not sure. Tori, no. Whereas you go to the other team, Jordan is good at puzzles. Amber is pretty good at puzzles. We know Narice is good. Devin is good at puzzles. Mm Mm-hmm. The other part I think that's a bigger problem for Fessy's team, because I'm with you. I like Mariah's team better. The bigger problem with Fessy's team to me, too many cooks. Yeah. Too many leaders. Too yep. many leaders. Bananas is smart enough to like fall back or just try to like sabotage it and lose on purpose. But like Nelson's gonna want to take charge. We saw in this mini challenge Nelson taking charge when he didn't even know what he was doing. Well, Meanwhile, Narice did know what she was doing, and Nelson was still trying to take the lead. So Nelson's going to try to take the lead. Fessy's going to try to take the lead. Tori's loud and going to try to take the lead. Anissa is loud and going to try to take the lead. They're going to get mad at Anissa for holding them back. Like, I just see that team's chemistry causing them in the end to blow up. That's what I see. Where I see the other team better being able to work together which I think is way more important in the team aspect of the challenge. So I agree with you. I'm right there with you. Also, I think it's notable, like just if you're looking purely physical, I think it's actually fair to say that Jordan and uh, Horacio are the two best athletes, Mm -hmm. both on Mariah's team. Oh, interesting. Right? Fessy? Fessy and Nelson and Bananas are like, and like Strong. Chauncey's not bad, but like again, like there's who's the dead weight on Mariah's team? Kenny, but like yeah. he's not terrible. It's true, right? Mariah's I mean, a Devin's beast. not he's an amazing beast. athlete, but he's 
he's average, I'd say, mm-hmm. but he's super good at puzzles. I want to see who's going to be the person to sabotage because Nelson and Fessy were talking about, is this going to be a scenario where someone is going to try to, you know, you have allies on the other team. So are you throwing it? Are you going to have to send someone in? Right. Cause you could see, let's say Fessy's team loses. They're going to try to send bananas in. You would, that would be my assumption. Right. How does, cause the other part of the game hasn't been explained yet. Yeah. Right? Like, do you get to join the other team if you win an elimination? How does the elimination even work? We don't even know. Yeah. Do you have to vote someone in from your team? Like, we don't know. But that part is going to be super interesting. And But I'm with you, though. On paper, people might think Fessy's team's better, but I'm with you. I think Fessy's team is all brawn and not a mix for what the challenge is. I like Mariah's team better. But I want to hear from the people. So please message us, let us know what you think. Who has a better team, Mariah or Fessy? Also, is Mariah right for how she said she shouldn't trust Fessy? Because obviously you shouldn't trust Fessy, but I want to know what the people think. I also think that like Fessy's team is made in his image. Like he just picks the <laughs> yeah. people that are most like him, right? Big, strong, not too bright. You know, like I've been calling people dumb a lot on this episode. Have you noticed that? And every yeah, time that's why I almost laugh, choked on my water. You agree with me? I didn't say that. That's a no comment. I was just here drinking water. I'm the, no, the, the we're in this together. The, the embodiment of the Kermit meme. I I also want to add, like this, if if these are the teams that they're running in the final, Mariah's team is better at running. I think, right? Like Jordan, Amber, Nani, Horacio, Norris, those were all great runners. And like, I know Nelson is, I think Nelson's the fastest person in the house and uh, Fessel's probably next fastest. But in terms of running like for two days, like basically 30 kilometers, whatever that is in miles. Fessy and Casey, we've seen gas out. Anissa will gas out. Olivia, we just saw gas out. Valid points. I'm not, I'm not told. I think it's more even than uh, they realize. And I think you made an excellent point with, you know, how are they going to get along? Yeah. Is there going to be conflicts? Because that's also one of Fessy's weaknesses. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, I don't think you said what your line of the episode was. It was your line. It was the exact same. Yeah, it was the Casey line. That was my line of the episode because I laughed and I thought that was super ridiculous as well. I don't even think, and I'll be honest, I don't think there's an MVP of this episode because, well, how could there be? Yeah, I mean, it's us, the viewers. Us, the viewers. That's right. You know what? I'm going to call myself the MVP for pointing out that once again, (laughs) Johnny Bananas probably is getting tips from the producers. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And, Thank you. Old. Congratulations to John Chidley Hill. Where can the good people find you on social media? Just the good people, not the bad people. You can follow me on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get the podcast. Another reminder, hit us with a like, hit us with, hit us with a retweet, you know, all of those fun things. It's free. I said this on a pod earlier I did today. It's free. It literally costs you nothing just to hit the like button. That's yeah. how you support the pod. Simple, you know? 
tell your friends. Inflation is out of hand worldwide, but the cost of retweets and likes and shares and faves stayed the same. Also, I want people to hit us up. Would you guys be interested in You Killed It merch? I know we talked about this a while ago, but there's been some developments behind the scenes that um, I haven't even brought up to John. But let me know. That's a thing. Look at the You Killed It logo that you see here on screen or in your thing. And let me know. Would you guys want a hoodie? Would you be interested in that? Is that something? Would you rock with us and support the pod in that way? Just asking. Just throwing it out there. That would be cool. I have to say, I have an on blast hoodie and it is insanely comfortable. So hmm. we have the technology, guys. I don't even have the hoodie that you have. And I'm really that. No, I have it in white, but I want a black one. But I don't want, we didn't have a black one in my size uh, a at white, the time that we got them. A white hoodie is dangerous. I have like, I have a bunch of white hoodies. It was kind of a, a, a move for me for a couple of years. Very I mean, dangerous game. That's see, like to me, like I couldn't wear that. I couldn't even wear that out. Like it's a very have, dangerous game. Got to be very a, selective. I have a Yoshi onesie, and I, I can't even like I can't <laughs> even wear it in public now because I was smoking a joint and like I got embers on my crotch. So there's like burn marks on the crotch of my Yoshi onesie. So like I don't know how you're living with a like white hoodies. Like what are you wearing that to? What occasions? What am I supposed to do with that? I mean, you can tell me about where you're wearing your white hoodies. Are they scotch guarded? What are your strategies? The obvious question is you're asking me what events or where I would wear a white yeah. hoodie while talking about wearing a Yoshi onesie. Yes. I'm not even going to ask where you wear that because I'll no. tell you where I no, wear it. There's no question. I wasn't going to ask. I wore it while partying in Jamaica, I wore it on the Las Vegas Strip. You know, where else would you wear a Yoshi onesie? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jay Chidley Hill. And until next week, this was You Killed It. You killed it.